0: Welcome to Imagine Me and Utana," a Revolutionary Girl Utana podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice?
1: I'm doing pretty good today, actually.
0: Oh, well, that's good to hear. Today, we are with a friend of ours, Amanda, and we're just gonna talk about Revolutionary Girl Utana. How you doing, Amanda? Hello, I'm doing very good. I wanted to have you on the podcast because I'm mostly familiar with you through the Sailor Moon fandom because yes. I heard you on Sailor Business, and I also follow your uh, Sailor Shitpost Post blog, <laughs> and also- I'm so sorry. Your Sailor Moon memes on Twitter are a delight to me, and so I just wanted to have you on the podcast because it's my podcast. I make the rules. That's right. (laughs) I like that. You mentioned on Twitter that you were a fan of Revolutionary Girl Utena, so that was when I knew that we had to have you on. And our first question is: What's your history with Revolutionary Girl Utena?
2: Oh, well, first of all, thank you for saying all of those very nice things about me and all of my very stupid Sailor Moon shit posting that I do all the time. I love your Sailor Moon <laughs> shit
1: posting. I really I'm pretty do. big on Sailor Moon here.
2: <laughs> all right, well, that's good cuz that's good that you guys have a little bit of Sailor Moon background. I know that you do, Panda because it's kind of
0: considerably less than i do but she knows a lot of sailor I've moon watched
1: stuff it as a from kid, and i've watched some of it since i tried watching the first couple of episodes of crystal and i had we don't words. have
0: to get into crystal discourse <laughs> here i like crystal I more do than most people do me
2: too but i do understand why some people don't like it but anyway hold on. let me circle around back to that because sailor moon does play into the topic of this podcast yeah um so when i i first saw utano when i was in middle school and my it kind of plays into like my general history with anime in general because uh you know middle school is very awkward obviously we all remember how awkward middle school is and i discovered yes i discovered sailor moon right at the exact correct time for me to have it. You know, I was like 12 years old when I got Sailor Moon. So I'm super into Sailor Moon. And, um, you know, and then at the same time, in middle school, puberty is happening. Uh, it was in like that early phase of like a, a queer young person where you can kind of sense that the rules that other people are teaching you don't really 100% feel correct for you, but you're not really understanding yet like what that feeling actually means or how, what really anything means because you're still learning about yeah. the basics of the world. Yeah. So uh, I'm into Sailor Moon for a few years, you know, growing up 12, 13, 14, uh, I give, in middle school, I have my first relationship ever. I get a girlfriend. So that was very cool. And she was also very into Sailor Moon super into Digimon. Like we were just nerd. She was first my best friend and then it kind of turned into a uh hey I kinda like girls. Hey, I kinda like girls too. Oh well we're 13 and we've we've managed to find each other. I guess that means we're dating now kind of situation. Oh I know <laughs>
0: I know how that goes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so um so on the weekends we would go out to um like a comic book store near her house and if we had extra spare money, we would buy, like, anime on VHS tapes. And this, this was in, like, 1999, probably, or, or 2000. And one of the shows at the comic book store was Revolutionary Girl Utena. And I don't know if you guys remember this back then, but on the VHS tapes, it said that it was by the guy who did Sailor Moon. Have you ever seen those tapes?
0: I no. I've seen a couple of the VHS tapes at conventions yeah. but I was I was a little young at the time to be ac- I didn't actually get into anime until like the the like mid early 2000s so like I missed out on a a big portion of the like having to scour for VHS yeah. tapes of your favorite anime except I did as a small child I rented Sailor Moon VHS tapes from the local Blockbuster
2: all oh, the see, time. You got a little bit. But you got a little bit of that VHS culture but, in there. But,
0: but I was I was not quite uh, one of those that went out and was searching for just any anime VHS that I could get my hands on mostly because I didn't know that there was more at oh, the time. Yeah, yeah I, 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 that, that was, was me. There was, there was yeah. There was Digi- there was Digimon and there was Dragon Ball yeah, Z. <laughs> Whatever is
2: on Toonami plus, like, Pokemon, Digimon, that was it. That was all we had. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But but basically, we discovered Revolutionary Girl Utena because we were super into Sailor Moon. And from what I recall, the VHS tapes at the time said it was by the director of Sailor Moon, which we know is Kunihiko Ikuhara. I know... I, yeah,
0: our boy. I know
2: 100% for sure that the movie VHS definitely had his name on it cuz I still have my VHS and it's on there. But I'm pretty I'm yeah, I'm pretty nice. sure that the other VHS tapes also had his name on it. Anyway, so we bought them and watched them together, me and her. Uh as, you know, back then as a small a small gay, all I really cared about was that it had girls in it who were being gay apparently <laughs> as far as i could tell i know the conversation of which characters That's valid. are That's very yeah. valid. the conversation of which characters are actually gay is a bigger one that that you can kind of have now but like back then it did just they were gay it didn't didn't really matter to me and that was yeah and at yeah, the time definitely. like that was really i didn't really get the show in any other capacity other than that, like, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't really understand the plot of what was happening. I mean, you know, it's Utena and I was like 13. So I, I, I'm, I, I
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that's, it's hard to understand even just the first right. watch through a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it really
2: takes, well, that, that kind of transitions into the, the next phase of my Utena fandom is that it seems that every three or four years since the first time I watched it, I watch it again the whole time through and every time I do that. So at this point, I've probably seen it five times the entire way through. And every time I rewatch it, I come out of it with a completely different opinion about the show and all the characters. <laughs> like so nice. my understanding of it so has nice. changed so much over the years. So I just did that recently. Cause I bought it on Blu-ray and I watched it with my husband who had never seen it before. And we just, he, you know, he had never seen it before. So he had my, the initial Utna reaction of like, well, I didn't really get what happened in that, but I kind of got the emotional resolution at the end and that was good. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, yeah, I think totally. most people can come out of it kind of understanding what it they're supposed to feel at the end of it, even if they don't really understand like what happened or what the, Yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the emotional like the emotional arc is sometimes more important than the actual literal. Oh, for sure. One.
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, but but because I had recently rewatched it, that's why I was tweeting about it. Like, and I think that's why when you saw me talking about it on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) but yeah i'm a huge i i'm not it is not as near and dear to my heart as sailor moon still i am still like super obsessed with sailor moon my sailor moon fandom has really never stopped since in 20 years utina kind of comes back every three years for three years or so and i watch the whole thing again and then i kind of I'm not as I'm not paying attention to it as closely, but it's still like probably the next most consistent anime that I'm into over the years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I actually feel like literally like the same way. Sailor Moon is like for me, like my main, like the closest thing to my heart, probably. But I didn't want to do a Sailor Moon podcast because there are already several and there were no Revolutionary Girl Utena podcasts.
2: So I just decided to slide into that niche. I'm so glad you did. I'm still, after you invited me on, I was like, oh, I probably need to like listen to this podcast before I get on it. So then I started watching it, and I, I have not finished it, or not watching it, listening to it. And I, I have not finished completely all the way through yet, but I am enjoying it, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, where are you? And you're listening, by the way.
2: I am, I think I just finished the. Uh, the, is it the student council arc is the name of the first Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i'm not really that far into it yet i I, it's it's but it's part of like my podcast list of of going through
1: very nice
2: yes who would
0: you say is your favorite character in revolutionary girl utina and sort of a caveat on that question has that Has the answer to that question changed since you began watching Revolutionary Girl Utena?
2: Oh, my goodness. Has it changed? Um, I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I had to say who was my favorite when I was a little kid watching it for the first time, um, I think Juri was probably my favorite back then. Okay. Yeah. Um, She's just so cool. And, you know, it's, it's hard to not admire that coolness to her. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> but just to compare that to my most recent rewatch, and this might sound crazy, but I think Kozue is now my favorite character in the show. Now that is an interesting yeah. answer,
0: and I would love for you <laughs> to go into that. And well, the- not not that like not that I like have anything like an issue with that. I actually really like Cosway. That's just not an answer that I usually hear when people are talking about their favorite Utena character. Yeah. So I'm just really interested to hear why that is.
2: And I mean, like, like probably it, out of the main characters. The very close second would be Utana herself. So, if so, maybe my real favorite might just be Utana now. But at least in my most recent We Watch, um, I came out of it like with a completely different attitude about Cosway and Miki. By by the way, Com- yeah, like,
0: really, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Miki's other one of those characters. I think when where if you don't. If you're watching it for the first time or you're not really paying super attention to the subtleties of what's happening or you're not thinking about it too hard he can come across as like a very positive character like one of the most positive characters in the show Mm -hmm. and while i do think that he is one of the lesser morally reprehensible people in the show (laughs) um in my most recent rewatch it's it was much more obvious to me how his approach to the entire Rose Bride situation really is uniquely toxic in its own way that maybe you do, people don't necessarily appreciate the first time they watch it.
0: Yeah, like yeah. Mickey, the problem with Mickey is that he does seem like the best in terms of like moral quality of the student council. But, also but what it really council, comes down to really is hard. that- yeah. I was gonna say it comes down to maybe that he's the
1: least worst. Like yeah, like I yeah. Mean, I mean,
2: like he, if you, I mean, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, I mean, he's less pop, he's less like actively bad than Toga or Seonji is, but he is also yeah. like Mickey's passivity and his like his the way that he claims to have certain convictions but never actually acts on them as they would require is a unique kind of toxicity that the others don't really have. They're not pretending to be good and then not being good. They're just like they're pretty bald faced about what they are.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't I try to stay out of discourse, but Miki's almost like a fake feminist kind of guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, really, he's, he's either, a actually.
2: nice guy. <laughs> really, because if you watch the Sunlight Garden Prelude, and I forget what the second part of it is called, the Sun, you know those that two pair of episodes really early in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you watch that, he starts off. You have that that whole entire first episode where he's like, uh, you know, I think it's terrible what we're doing with Miss Himimiya, and I'm not going to be a part of it. And there's that whole epi- uh, great scene with um, Nanami in where they're studying and, and he's just, you can tell he's just, he you, he's trying to put on the morally righteous face. But once he realized that Anthony has something that he wants and that he can get something from her, all of a sudden, all that goes out the window and oh, oh, oh wait, I can, I have something to gain from Anthony. Well, then I'm just going to forget about all that stuff I said about how the way we're treating her is bad, you know? So if he I'm never, Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, I was just saying, it doesn't really matter that he's not going to, it doesn't really matter that he's not going to treat her like, say, Seonji would. He's still complicit in the entirety exactly. of, of bullshit.
2: Yeah, exactly. And um, and on the flip side of that, I feel like the show does the reverse thing with Cosway, where when you watch those first two episodes with her and Miki, she's kind of just being really rude and cold to him for no apparent reason. And then you get to the end of that second episode and you find out that Miki's concept of her is completely fake. He, he thinks he loves and knows his sister really well, but he doesn't really know anything about her. And Kozue seems to know this. And, and she just has this kind of attitude towards her brother, like, oh, stupid brother. <laughs> you, you, go, it's <laughs> you go ahead and do yeah, whatever it is that you, you do. Down. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
1: that's interesting you got that because like i remember like my opinion of Cosway kind of improved over time but by the second time around that sort of merry-go-round it, i felt like it was less of a you know a you do you and more of a i we are stuck in this really terrible dynamic and it's really bad for us but like i like it she felt more like she just actively resented
2: him yeah and and it i almost i don't i know i'm not i will say i'm not as big of an expert on utena and everything that happens as i am with sailor moon i have like a, <laughs> I have like a almost like a photographic memory of some of these sailor moon episodes but from the impression i got from kozue was that she did really care about miki but maybe she, it wasn't worth it, it either wasn't worth her time to try to be honest with miki about how all, all of his beliefs about her are wrong or maybe didn't want to break his heart because that he believed in this thing that they had and it, it was actually completely fake or or maybe she just resented him of, you know, it, it was not about the piano between us. It was about us spending time together and the fact that you never understood that it was you playing the piano and not me and I was just there because I wanted to hang out with you and then... You can't play with me and now I have to go up there and do this and you're pressuring me to do it, you still don't get it, but that's not what it's about. You know, I it's like she was just disappointed in him, basically. And um, like that kind of Yeah,
1: yeah the relationship that,
2: like couldn't be rebuilt after that. But she did still care about him because there's that great scene in a later episode where like like the creepy male teacher is like putting his hand on Mickey's shoulder. Do you remember that episode? And like flirting with him and then oh, and then later in the yeah. show she pushes him down a flight of stairs <laughs> do you remember that that scene?
1: i'm okay i, <laughs> I do i'm really curious right now i'm like because i had i'll be honest with you i did not really when i was watching that i did not interpret it as her caring like i didn't really interpret it in a positive light the action has a positive right. effect yeah that's true obviously but I was really not thinking of it in positive light. I was more thinking of us, sort of that that trope of sometimes we do things that are actions that bring about a result that we would like because of reasons that are a lot less great in the short term. Namely, that they she doesn't want his attention, like she resents his attention, but also wants it, which is kind of their thing, where they like they want to. Have some kind of meaningful connection, but they also resent the fact that they're stuck with each other.
2: Yeah, uh, Utina. A lot of the characters' problems can be solved by just having like a conversation with the person that they have a problem with. <laughs>
0: Honestly, yeah,
1: <laughs> a couple. Yeah,
0: none of these people know how to talk to each other, and it's excusable because for the most part, a lot of them are like fourteen and years also- old.
2: Also I but think it's excusable why? because really a lot of people are like that in real life also. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's, that's true. A- Mickey and Kusuo would just be hard to do that with too. It would take a lot of their relationship is so kind of messed up that it would take a lot of work to really make that healthy again.
2: Yeah. So so and then uh, I mentioned I really love Utna and I think that has slowly grown <laughs> over the course of me watching and rewatching watching it. Um, I think I... I think I really appreciated more the ending of the show this time around. Just because... I don't know. Every time I watch Utena, not only does my opinion of all the characters and what's going on change, but I also feel like I might understand it just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's definitely a show you have to watch multiple times to kind of wrap your brain around everything that's happening. So... I don't know, I just, I really, I feel like she has a really good character arc over the course of the show and that the lesson that was intended to be taken away from what happens with her, um, I don't know, just, I just think it works. It was just really good.
0: Something that we've talked about in a previous episode is uh, because we just did. We haven't. It hasn't come out yet, but we recorded a like a character focus episode where we talked about Utana. And one of the main things that we talked about with Utana is that like she's very much a character that like you as the and not necessarily just you like the the royal you. It's speaking to the crowd here. There, Utana is a character that people can really like project onto because, like, not only is she our main character, but also there's just so much that's relatable about Utana. Did you find that to be your experience as well?
2: Yes, Um, I mean, and I think part of that is because the show really goes hard on the showing instead of telling. Which I think can also- Definitely. Yeah, I think that is also why really paying attention to the dialogue and really paying attention to the visuals and like multiple watches kind of helps drive home like what is actually happening and that you might miss a lot. Um, So, but because of that, you can project onto a lot of the characters really, but definitely Utena because she's the protagonist, um, depending, like, so me as a 13 year old, Utena was just this cool gender non-conforming lady who was helping to save her girlfriend. And, you know, I didn't really, (laughs) didn't really understand all that stuff in the middle with the Black Rose guys and, you know, some of those extra episodes at the end where she refights the student council, didn't really get the point of some of those. But, you know, at the end of it, things happen and Anthe gets to walk away and good for her for helping out her girlfriend. Like, like that's kind of what I got out of it when I was 13. Obviously, it's more that sounds about right. That. Yeah, that's accurate.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean that—that's basically what I got out of it the first time I watched Revolutionary Girl Utena, and I was like, I was probably like twenty or twenty-one
2: at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think there is a lot of other things going on there, just with
0: oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, the
2: shows really—it shows asking other things about you know Utena. Are you doing this really do you don't do you really care about what's going on with Anthe unconditionally or is this about you and is this more about your sense of gender and your sense of yourself and your sense of uh where you're supposed to be going in life you know there's a lot of other stuff going on
0: Yeah the show is not afraid to call Utena out on her bullshit No no
2: it's not or any of the other characters for that matter
1: Yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> So, okay, I've got one for you. Sure. I would ask you about your favorite episode, and I am curious about what your favorite episode is. But more than that, what's your, what, what is your What is your favorite arc of the show? Because um, there are some pretty distinct ones.
2: Yes, there definitely is. Uh, so I would say, what are the arcs? There's the student council arc, which is like the first 12 there's episodes.
1: The, then you get the Black There's Rose. the student
0: council arc, yeah, the Black, Black Rose, Rose arc, the Akio Otori arc and the Apocalypse arc.
2: What it, so I'm not 100% familiar with those last two. Like what which episodes are those? Cuz I always well I thought that was the three.
0: Apocalypse the the Apocalypse arc. Well, okay, so our friends over at Empty Movement, uh, a Revolutionary Girl Utena fan site that's been operating since the 90s, were partially responsible for the delineation of the last two arcs because normally people would kind of group them all together but they've been separated into the Akio Otori arc and the apocalypse arc and I'm going to google it here to uh find exactly because I know that the apocalypse arc is only like a few episodes. It's very short. It's like, I think
1: the, the last others. three episodes four.
2: so it's just like it's the big, big finale at the end, basically. It's
1: it, Yeah. It's, it's, it's like,
2: it's the last six
0: episodes. Oh, okay. starting with, uh, the apocalypse arc starts with, uh, the episode, the Rose signet, which is where the shadow girls do the play that tells the story of, uh, of uh, Anthe and uh, Dios and how that all happened, okay, so to speak. But uh, so, yeah, the Apocalypse arc starts at number at episode 34 and ends at 39. And then uh, the Akio-Otori arc is episodes 24 through 33.
2: So is the Akio-Otori arc the one? I'm going to assume that's the arc with all of the... Uh, shirts open gay car drives absolutely that is exactly <laughs> just what aggressively
1: it is. jojo posing until the end of time
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say that one's my least favorite arc and it, okay. it's not because i think it's bad but because i think some of those episodes in there are 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 one of some of the less good episodes, le- some of the le- lesser memorable episodes. Um, in pre-
0: I mean, it does have Naname's which is, egg, the best which of the, is I'll, I'll maybe the like... best episode of the series. Oh,
2: okay, hold on. All of the nonami <laughs> episodes need to be categorized into their own arc, the nonami arc true, that yep. is spread out across the entire season. It's extremely entire true. Series. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Nanami is another character that I completely... I have completely changed my opinion on over the years. But I don't know if we want to go I will always at.
0: talk about Naname because <laughs> Naname is probably my favorite character.
2: I mean, I kind... So Nanami is a character I very much hated when I was 13. You know, as you do when you're a little kid and you think Juri is perfect and Miki Definitely. is a blue Okay. And then I think... I think th- my hate kind of continued onwards and I don't remember liking her particularly but in my more recent watch she came off to me a lot more positive especially at the end. I, I just find Noname hilarious. <laughs> oh, she's hilarious. She is she is incredibly funny. But but in she is incredibly funny in that way where you are meant to laugh at her. Because she's being yeah. ridiculous and terrible. Yeah. But but not but I am not saying I dislike the character at all. I love her now. Just just to make that clear. I do not hate Nancy. Did not you me. ever notice how quickly wonderful.
1: she like grows up? She's excellent. <laughs> she just like she yeah. just realizes that everything, yeah. this whole this whole debacle is terrible. And she just like leaves. Just ah, I'm done now. What what seems to really
2: do it for her is when she sees Akio and Anthe being, having indiscretions. That seems to go, hold on a second. Um, Bye, guys. I'm out of here now. You know what? I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And, you know, I I didn't really notice this before very recently, but she's pretty much the only character who does that. And she, like, she, she she Warns Utina about Akio. I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't she really. She tries. She tries. She doesn't really like actually tell her what's going on. She could have given a little bit more of an effective warning, but she does like. She makes an attempt. An attempt was made. <laughs> and she's well, yeah. I mean,
1: she's all about the 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 weak and the stupid should just you know if they can't figure it out then yeah. oh well yeah. You, you guys can't figure out that you're about to get screwed over. Like I'm not going to help you.
2: Right. And, and, but the fact that, that a character like that made an effort to warn her anyway is a pretty big signal of character growth, I think, you know, for her. So I do like Nanami. Anyway, I'm sorry. I I, I, I got us completely off topic. Uh, the arc, hey, what, my favorite what arc. What is
0: your favorite arc?
2: <laughs> so it's either the first arc or the Black Rose saga. And... I really love the first arc because I feel like if Utena just ended at the twelfth episode, it would be a, even then it would be a really good show. It would not have all the incredible depth that it has with the full series. But if it ended with her conquering over Toga and getting Anthy back, and and like it was just a little mini series or that was season one, I think that would be even that little arc. It's got a beginning and a middle and end. There's a message to it. Every character, except maybe Anthony has a little character moment, a little bit of character growth. So I really like the first season. Or the first, the first part.
0: Yeah. You're not wrong. Like, if we were only presented with, like, the first 12 episodes, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like we would probably have a complete, like, you could reasonably say, like, okay, that's the show. That's it. Yeah. like you like
1: it'd be pretty good, too.
0: And uh, yeah, yeah, like it would still be better than a lot of other shows, honestly. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, but I also really like the Black Rose saga just because it is really super intense. And I really like it when I, I, I like it when shows get a little edgy. I like it when they get a little bit intense because it, it makes me feel an emotion. And uh, the Black Rose arc really does that. It, it's just very um ugly and and it's very raw and like the stuff that happens the stuff that happens in the Black Rose arc is almost worse than all the stuff that happens at the end in the in the apocalypse arc. Do you, you know what I mean? The,
0: yeah, the stuff yeah. that happens in the Black Rose arc is very visceral and yeah. like it's just so like it is really dark, and like part of it is part of what I think about the Black Rose arc. That's so interesting is that it takes the time to focus on like these background characters that otherwise probably would not have gotten any like significant presence in the show.
2: Yeah, and I mean there's a couple episodes in there that are that are like you know maybe duds. Like like uh, am my most recent rewatch, I was. Probably the weakest episode in that arc is probably the one um, with Nanami's friend with the pigtails.
0: Oh yeah, Keiko. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that it's, one's okay. It's
0: really, it's really hard to care about Keiko, honestly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and that one's okay. Could, they, that one maybe could have used a second or third draft on the script for that episode. I don't know, but most of the episodes in that arc are just flawless and and amazing. And I really like the end of it too. I I still don't know what it means or what's really going on, but maybe when I watch it again, I'll pay even more attention and maybe it'll click for me. What exactly is is very strange. Yeah. It's really weird. The ending in particular. Um, I find it interesting that that is the, the gay male pairing in the show are those two villains whose name I don't remember at the moment
0: and like they're not even technically because like one of them is technically anthe in disguise it's not even technically like a gay male yeah at yeah that point. yeah
2: exactly so it's like and i mean there i mean there's arguments to me made that there's some gay stuff going on with some of the other characters but um male characters but oh yeah, yeah. we we've definitely <laughs> I
0: mean, we have definitely i mean have about- you seen any <laughs> of them
2: we we have
0: it is the opinion of this podcast that Toga and Akio
2: fuck in the yes. last oh, couple of works oh, yes. definitely and i you know it's i would line. yeah i would love to read a character analysis about how Sionji is actually a super repressed gay man and that he's just very angry
1: if that doesn't already exist, I will. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I feel like something like that
0: probably exists on Empty Movement. If like, And if it doesn't, I would be very surprised. But yeah. I don't know how much people talk about Seonji. I mean, he, we need to find somebody for our Seonji episode.
2: He's kind of an underused character, I think, in the show. Um, especially at the end where you kind of start to feel bad for him, like in the last couple arcs. Um, where he, he starts to get just a twinge more sympathetic because now he's really pathetic and he doesn't really, like, you can tell he's not trying anymore.
0: He's so pathetic. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but the show never, I never, I don't feel like we got an episode that really got into his relationship with Toga that much. Um, yeah, that's kind of we got,
0: like... We get like sprinkles of the Toga Seonji thing uh, throughout the show, but it's never really focused upon.
2: And maybe that's because he's just supposed to be like a convenient antagonist for the very beginning, and he's just not supposed to be a super major character. I don't know. But if there's any character that maybe could have used a focus episode in the second half of the show, maybe it was Seonji. (laughs) So
0: yeah i I definitely agree yeah. because I I loathe Sanji in a lot of ways but like at the same time like it's hard not to think about like the fact that when you see him in flashbacks like he was just like a normal kid yeah and you sort of realize that it was the influence of toga that made him into this like, awful human being that we see that slap Anthe in the very first episode
1: after we see toga for just like you know 20 something episodes it's hard to imagine what being toga's friend for like a decade would be like,
2: and living in his shadow and and kind of trying to be as cool as him and doing everything you can to kind of
1: it doesn't excuse him, yeah, obviously, yeah. but nobody would be okay. After. No,
2: and and <laughs> I think you brought up a good point about how he seems very normal in the flashback scenes where he they're children, and that is such a yeah. that contrast. I feel like that hints at a, an underlying story that could have been explored a little bit better that we'd never really get to see really. So I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's super gay for Toga, and it's, he's repressing it as hard as he can. You know, who knows? <laughs> I, I think it's plausible at I least.
0: Mean, I've talked on the podcast <laughs> about kind of shipping Toga and Seonji even though they're 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 terrible, and I believe that they deserve to be terrible together. But also, it gets complicated when you think about how awful Toga has been to him throughout his entire life. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and the fact that Sionji is objectively even more awful at this point, at the point we see him in the show, regardless of why he's like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, they're both pretty bad, but Sionji just is shameless about it. At least Toga has is a little bit manipulative about it and tries to hide it a little. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Toga is definitely yeah. doing his darndest to try to he's trying to be Akio is what he's trying to yeah. do so he's trying to manipulate everyone in his life the way that Akio manipulates everyone in his life but unfortunately Toga's just not as good at it as Akio because Akio's probably an immortal being that's been alive for god knows how long like
2: yeah <laughs> I mean I mean I think like I think you did. Least. yeah Also, like, um, I don't know. Like, can we talk about the ending of the show?
0: Yeah, no, we we we've done all the episodes,
2: so we're free to talk about whatever. Oh, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys want to ask another question or if I can like interject. Oh, yeah, no, go for it. Okay, like the end. The end of the show. Like, I feel like it. It feels very dreamlike, and you come out of it not. 100% 100% sure how much of what you saw and this is really true for a lot of the stuff in the show how much of of it was stuff that is diegetic versus non-diegetic like did this actually did this physically actually happen or is this like some kind of metaphor about what's going on with the characters or or cuz cuz at the end of the show like Utina disappears and yeah. you, hear, you hear the characters saying, and I don't know, maybe this has probably been expanded upon with those new manga chapters that take place after. I have not read those. So disregard what I'm saying, if it conflicts with that stuff. <laughs> but like, like there's, there's like, kids are just kind of like, like spreading, basically gossiping about where she went. Like no one really seems to know. And somebody mentions like, oh, I heard she got in a fight with the chairman and she got expelled. But, so, like, is is that, like, where is she? <laughs> it, am I making any sense? Like,
0: yeah. what exactly
2: like, happened?
0: <laughs> there's, and there's even, like, there's even the scene towards, like, w- during the finale when, like, Utena's talking about how, like, has the dueling arena just been, like, uh, like a hologram the whole time, or yeah. Whatever. Is, have like, we
2: literally just been coming up to the planetarium this entire time? Like that's that's something that's that the show proposes it, randomly at the end of, at the end of the, it, the ending. It's
0: <laughs> pretty implied, but yeah, we, again, we don't know. We that's that's one of the beautiful things about Utana is we have no idea what is or is not diegetic <laughs> Yeah,
2: <laughs> and like so, it's very dreamlike, and it just. That's I think that what makes the ending and a lot of elements of the show in general very interesting is that it's like a brain teaser like, like, I feel like it's a knot that you can pick apart forever. And and there's just an, a never ending amount of discussion and analysis that you can do on it, which is fun for me because that's the kind of shit that I love to do. <laughs> A knot
0: that you kind of can pick it. at forever is a really good metaphor yeah. for this series.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's very much a Gordian knot. like I've always kind of been partial to the idea of Otori being a sort of liminal area, a liminal place.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, you know, like, they're, they're like, I, I can think off the top of my head, like, almost half a dozen different ways you could explain that. And they're all pretty viable. And they're all kind of cool, too.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I love it. I just I love talking about, reading about the show. So good. I mean, getting me all passionate about it right here on this podcast.
0: <laughs> Have you read the manga
2: at all? So, I really should sit down and read the entire manga. But Here's, the, here's my experience with the manga. I remember being 13, living the show. Went into, you know, borders or something pulled out the first book of the the manga. None of the characters that I wanted to see are in the first book of the manga. Okay,
0: yeah. (laughs) The the first volume of the manga and its prologue are... Awful. We have covered that okay. at length here. Okay. But the,
1: the very Licky first volume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where utina calls the prince Mr. Licky Lick because he <laughs> licks away her tears. Oh, is no.
1: A it's cursed. A
0: particular source of anguish so in cursed. my personal life.
2: No. That makes me sad. It's that the, makes me it's sad. the but- second.
1: Best like berserk button that she has after (laughs) a reference to um, Twin Peaks.
0: We're not going to talk about Twin Peaks. Um, but yeah, okay, so the, fir- the prologue and the first volume of the manga are really bad, and okay. it's very unfortunate because, like, I don't know if I would say that the manga is as good as the series, because, like, the series is so good, and there's so much to it, but, like, there are th- certain things that the manga does that are really interesting, and if you're willing to walk into it with like the notion that these are just two different versions of kind of the same core idea. I feel like it's just a really interesting thing to behold, but the manga is kind of weird because like a lot of the time before you hit about like maybe the third volume, it's just sort of like, huh, this reminds me of stuff that was in the anime, but the anime did it better. And then, like, at about the third volume, the manga starts to kind of deviate from what happens in the show and starts to kind of do its own thing. Oh, that's interesting. And it is it is really interesting, and the ending of the manga in particular is extremely interesting, and I won't spoil it. I don't know that I would say whether or not one is as good as the other, but, like... I feel like the manga ending is at least worth it on its own because of how there's some elements it
1: is. There's some elements in the manga, which if you think about for more than a couple of seconds, um, do kind of have some interesting implications for how we understand the movie as well as the series, but kind of only if you want them to, Mm. um, which we did talk, we've talked about a little bit. Um, Specifically in regards to Toga and like I actually one of the things I like about the manga and one of the reasons I tell people they should at least read it um is once you've watched once you've experienced all three of those incarnations of utana you have a much better understanding of Toga.
2: Really? Well now I have to read it then cuz Toga is mm-hmm. is one of my Toga is another one of my like consistently higher higher ranked favorite characters but not like not at the very tippy top but like maybe third or fourth consistently since I started watching I like it.
0: Toga in the manga a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's I, the thing is that like Toga is different every single one, but like the manga is a sort of halfway point between movie Toga and anime Toga. Uh, he's still a, a jerk, but he's also a lot more human and It's interesting because once you get a little more humanity in him, he makes a lot more sense all of a sudden.
2: I love movie Toga. So you literally just sold the manga to me just now.
0: (laughs) I I would recommend reading it. Like the first, the prologue and the first volume are a bit of a slog and it's really difficult, but if you can just make it to the third volume, the third and fourth volume are really good.
2: Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have to check it out. Um, They just re-released
0: the manga in, like, a nice little hardcover box set that Alice and I both have. Really? Yeah. There's also, there's a, there's a movie manga. There is a movie manga, and I don't know much about it, but we are going to cover it sometime soon.
2: Uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena Complete Deluxe Box Set.
0: Yep, that's it.
2: I'm looking at it right now on Amazon, and I'm very tempted
1: it's really pretty
0: it comes with a very nice little poster of Utsuna and Anthe, and they're like naked and they've got their long hair flowing everywhere and it's very pretty is
2: is this it says one and two is it just in two volumes is the manga really short
0: yeah the because the manga is only like four volumes they since it's like printed a little bigger they uh collected. The manga into two Volumes and those two volumes Comprise all Of the four or is It five I don't remember all the Original like Revolutionary Girl Utena manga and there Were some manga short stories And also the movie manga So it's like the complete manga Set
2: oh man all right I'm definitely Going to get this then I won't, I'm not i not going to buy It tonight and but I will the hardcover
0: it. Is very nice yeah
2: Cool thank you for telling me that so I'm gonna I'm gonna read that next. I'm reading something else right now, but after I'm done with that, that this is next. Cool, I'm excited.
0: <laughs> like I started off the manga telling people that they don't need to read it and that it's not very good. And then I ended the manga being like, I think I might be a manga stan now, you guys.
2: Oh, okay. So what I'm taking I'm a away manga
0: from- apologist yeah. now.
2: What I'm taking away from this whole conversation is that it's literally the same situation with Sailor Moon. <laughs> A super underappreciated manga that people nitpick and complain about, but don't appreciate for the things it does really well, and a thing by Kunihiko Kunihiko Ikuhara that everybody likes more. <laughs>
1: do you ever feel like Kunihiko Ikuhara is like sort of a slightly is a more competent version of um, Tuxedo Mask? <laughs> it just swoops in and then my work here is done. But you didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> like we have said. <laughs> numerous times on this podcast. Kanehiko Ikahara is the George Lucas of anime. God, I love
2: him and I hate him, but I love him so much in, but I hate in him. In
0: that he has such great capacity to make good things, but what he really needs is the right team working with him to mitigate some of his insanity and inject like actual goodness in there
2: as well <laughs> yeah i see it i see i see there's two there's okay there's three settings at ikuhara you've got ikuhara who isn't allowed to do what he wants at all and he has people up his ass trying to tell him what he's supposed to be doing that's sailor moon super s or supers definitely okay a hundred and percent then he has what uh he's he's given some creative freedom but he also has a really talented group of people to help him and um, that is uh, Sailor Moon S and the really good parts of Revolutionary Girl Utena. Then there is Buck Wild, no holds barred Ikuhara, where nobody's telling him what to do. And that's like the Uta movie. <laughs>
0: And also uh, probably Yuri Kuma, a reference yeah. that I can't technically make yet because the next thing that we're going to do once we exhaust all things Utina for this podcast is we are going to watch Yuri Kuma. soon
1: <laughs> ah. you will know.
2: You know, I've never, if- I've never seen it. So maybe, so hopefully, I'll catch up by then, and maybe I'll watch it like alongside you guys when you're doing it.
1: It's worth experiencing. Okay, um, I have not
0: seen Yuri Kuma, and I have aggressively avoided anything. Res- resembling spoilers up until this point, because when we started this podcast, Alice didn't really know very much about Revolutionary Girl Utena, but I had seen it once before. And so that was the dynamic is that like, she didn't know anything, but I knew things. And so now that she has seen Yuri Kuma and we're going to do Yuri Kuma, I'm trying to avoid things so that now I'm the person that doesn't know anything every week when we get to record. Uh. But also... We're gonna be uh for those episodes, we're gonna be recording with uh the mods from Empty Movement, that Utena fan site we mentioned earlier, who have decided to join us
2: on our journey through oh, Yuri Kuma. That sounds delightful. I'm, I'm definitely gonna try to
0: be we'll able to catch fun. up on
2: that for sure. <laughs>
0: Our next question is, uh, I know that you have done some art for the Sailor Moon fandom that I've seen pretty recently, but have you done anything fandom-wise for the Utena fandom? You know, like art or like fanfic?
2: I haven't, and I really should do something. That is a good idea, because I really do love Utena, and it's so beautiful, and I feel like like there's so much potential there for your fan art. I'm already th- like kind of thinking about like, how would I do that? If I do.
0: I really liked a lot of your Sailor Moon art, even though you do uh, the the super forms and I'm not as huge a fan of the bubblegum sleeves. Uh, yeah. But uh, I really I really love the artwork that you've been putting out for the Sailor Moon fandom. Well, it looks you. really good. Thank
2: you. I'm, I'm like working on a bunch of like a, I guess it turned into a series somehow. I just kind of kept drawing them and then I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna do another one of these. So when I finish those, maybe I'll move on to Utina, because it would be cool to do some kind of like similar thing where I draw each of the Utuna characters. So maybe I'll do that next. But thank you for enjoying it. <laughs> uh, Alice, do you have any other questions?
1: Hmm, rocking my brain here. Um No, I think I'm questioned out.
2: I tuck your ear off.
1: No, <laughs> I do. I do with that. I would like um, some links because I'm curious about seeing your art, and also, like, I'm very disappointed that you haven't shared more Sailor Moon ship posting with me, Panda. Ah, oh
0: well you you haven't seen as much Sailor Moon, so I never think to send it to it's you. True, but, I'll have but to you say- know
1: that I love things that I don't understand and <laughs> are complete non sequiturs.
2: Well, uh. On Twitter, I am odd Lazdo, So that's O D D L A Z D O. And I can I can put a, a link to it in the chat here if you want me to.
0: Yeah, we will definitely plug that again at the end. Um, I had a question. What was it? Um Oh, are there any like are there any themes of the show that you find particularly of interest? Like there's a lot. There's a lot going on in Utana, like textually and subtextually, but is there anything about like the like character relationships or like the things that it feels like Utana is trying to say that ever like really stood out to you?
2: Um, one of the big ones is I think we kind of already touched on was just, um, like the fact that a lot of these, um, problems can be solved by just talking to each other and it 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 sticks out to me as a viewer and maybe it's meant to stick out about how these characters have a really hard time just being honest with each other about feelings and emotions like the entire the entire love triangle with Juri, ruka and shiori is completely resolved by characters simply having a conversation (laughs) yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they just, and I, I mean, I'm not saying they just don't know. How yeah, to I'm not know. saying that's bad because the point is that they are all very emotionally stunted, or and or or I guess since they're young, they're emotionally immature, and that that's like the point of of what's happening. But that that seems to be a theme that comes up, or maybe maybe like a bigger umbrella you could put that under is like. Characters being dishonest with themselves about what they really want. Um, and I think that's something that is very teenager. And spe- is it's, it's very... Uh, it speaks to, like, how you are when you're younger. Even though the characters all look like they're in their 20s because they're anime characters.
0: Yeah, there is a little bit of cognitive dissonance because, like... Some of the way, like, the characters will, like, especially the way the characters look and some of the ways that they speak to each other, like, it really does feel like these are adults writing characters that are talking to each other. But they do have this unique, like, emotional immaturity that is extremely teenager and does sort of reveal that we are dealing with essentially a lot of 14-year-olds. Yeah,
2: And... Uh, actually another thing that comes to mind that, w- that hasn't come up yet is like the use of like a lot of anachronistic imagery, like, like yeah, like, things like, and this is just an Ikuhara thing. He just likes to mess with you by putting some kind of weird object in the background of a shot that Constant doesn't belong there.
1: Confusion is artistic <laughs> choice. And, and works.
2: yeah. <laughs> and like one that, one that, F- that feels like it kind of sums it up is do you remember that scene at the end of the show where they're going into the, they, they go Utsuna, Anthea and Akio go to that play. And it's basically the backstory of Anthe and Akio. Okay. Yeah. In that, during that thing, there's the scene where Anthe's in the red dress and she's with Dios and he's dying. And there's a shot where there's like a fax machine in the corner they're in a barn and there's a fax machine next to them.
0: I don't know if I remember that, but holy shit, I would I believe that it's there. I don't know if I remember that being
2: there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 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 the angry mom is outside banging on the door and he's dying, and it's like an overhead shot, and they're in the barn, and he's laying on the hay. And in the lower right corner of the shot is like a fax machine just perpetually printing something. Like, that is nonstop.
0: incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: And it's it's it all contributes to like that whole like that dream like state where you're never sure is is what I'm seeing actually real? Or is this a metaphor that it's it's conveying of what like it's trying to convey an idea more than or is it's just is he just shitposting basically? Like is he just he just put that fact machine there just to be weird and confusing? I feel like it's both. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that may that may do us. I don't know if we have any other. Uh, is there anything else like Utana related that you would like to talk about that we haven't really talked about? Um, it's okay if the answer is no.
2: I don't know. Um,
0: I just want to make sure that we we don't uh, we don't end prematurely if there are other things to say.
2: I mean, I'm sure if I sat here and really thought about it, I could think of a million more things to say about Utana because it's just that kind of show um so
0: many layers i
2: know so many layers but you know i think that's it i, I i'm looking forward to reading the manga now i think i'm gonna get I that really i
0: hope that you enjoy the manga because like i said it's kind of hard to get into and it seems like it's wasting your time a little bit but if you persevere i really do think that the third and fourth volumes are like really worth reading
2: okay i'll stick it out to the end especially if it's not that short because then it's like Well, if it's not that short, then yeah, I can get through it. That's fine. (laughs) All right.
0: If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utsinacast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Mpandanada. Where can they follow you on Twitter,
1: Alice? As always, they can follow me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is spelled L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F.
0: And Amanda, where can people find you on the internet should you wish to be found?
2: So um, I am on Twitter at Lambda Power. So that's Lambda, like the Greek letter, and then the word Power, which is a Sailor Moon reference. And then if people like want to look at my weird Sailor Moon shitposting, stupid jokes and memes, that's SailorShitpost.tumblr.com. And then the art blog would be Odd Lazdo, which is O D D L A Z D O at Tumblr. So yeah,
0: you know, I I did before we recorded. I spent like the whole day trying to come up with some sort of legal question that I can. Oh ask no, know because I know that you, know that you yes, are a lawyer, but it just <laughs> occurred to me that everything that Akio does is highly illegal. I mean,
1: everything. And so
0: there wasn't, yeah. A, yeah. there wasn't really a question to be had there. It's just sort of a. Yeah, all of this is really fucked up and definitely against the law in some yes. way.
1: I don't really have a question, but more of a, like a statement of, I wonder what the title on um, Otori and its possible multiple dimensions looks like.
2: <laughs> like the land deed?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough when it's just like a square. It's a whole paragraph. <laughs> Imagine when it's like multiple planes of possible
2: existence (laughs) who has the mineral rights for (laughs) the mineral and mining rights for the school and for the dueling arena
1: how do you determine mineral rights for a a plane (laughs) that's gonna really legitimately bother me
2: (laughs) do you think they have to pay extra property taxes for the floating castle
1: Mm, only for only for the time when it's actually there.
2: True. Now I wonder how I wonder if they keep a really I wonder how um good record keeping they take on the uh uh non existent extra dimensional floating castle and when it's around and not around. <laughs> that might be an accounting
1: problem. I mean if you time it just right and you never actually leave a paper trail, I guess you could just pretend it's not there. Yeah, I mean if they like leave someone accidentally in the in the long enough, like I don't know. I don't understand. There are questions. Yeah, that's
2: a I mean, now we're getting into more tangents of like being able to talk about the show for a million years. But do you remember do you remember when Sayonji <laughs> took Anthe to the dueling arena without permission and it like started falling apart?
1: Is that yeah. breaking oh, earnings?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's literally breaking. <laughs>
1: Can you break an inner into an entire potential plane of existence? Apparently,
2: I mean, when you think about it, that doesn't really make any sense because, like, oh, I guess he could have got in because he had a ring. Like, do they do the? Do they go in the same way? Do they do they go in with the door the same?
1: way as <laughs> I don't think I can knows. only
0: assume that they use the like we never see it, but I can only assume that they use the ring in the way that Utena does when she yeah. opens the door. Is
1: it entering if once you enter the gate, you're in an entirely different place?
0: Would it be breaking and entering if would the ring count as a key? It's not breaking and entering if you're given. Oh, a you key know what? You place, know
2: what? No, it? because they were given permission. They were given permission.
1: It's an they invitation. It's an invitation to go. That's
2: yeah. right. Uh, Sayonji going in without permission might be.
1: But, but wouldn't that wouldn't the giving of uh, the ring kind of constitute a, an agreement um, or like a given permission that hasn't been a, like revoked? Yet?
2: I think not necessarily. Bring giving you the ring gives you access, but if they still need permission to go in, it can still be you know trespassing or burglary or. Or in, in my state, it's it's burglary, not breaking and entering or trespassing. So it can still be if if even if you have a key, if you're not allowed to go in there, it's still trespassing. Like if they, if
0: there, we have it, yeah. we did a legal question. <laughs> there we go. If you would like to follow us on Tumblr, you can do that at me And if you would like to come on the show so we can ramble for an hour with you, you can do that by emailing us at imagine imaginemeinyutena at gmail.com or hitting us up in our Twitter DMs or posting Sailor Moon memes until I (laughs) tell you that I want you to come on my podcast. These are all viable
2: ways to get on the show. The world needs more Sailor moon memes, so please, please really share your moon do. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> that ground is very right.
0: Safe now. <laughs> Revolutionize the world, everybody. See
1: you later.
2: Thank you.